Deep Baltic Podcast. Eesti. Hello and welcome to the first Deep Baltic podcast, where once a month we're going to be taking a deep look at life in one or other of the Baltic countries. Uh, next month we're going to be in Kaunas in Lithuania, where I'll be joined by two very interesting guests to talk about all things Lietuva. But today we're in Estonia's lovely and beautiful capital Tallinn, where it is unseasonably snowy today for the end of October. And I'm joined by two guests who, like me, are Englishmen, but unlike me, are very uh, informed uh, and have interesting opinions about Estonia and are also long-term residents of Tallinn. Uh, I should introduce myself, first of all. My name is Will Moorhood. I'm the editor of Deep Baltic, and I will be the host of this podcast uh, until removed by popular demand. So, uh, we'll go first of all over to uh, first guest, uh, David Edwards. Uh, David, could you quickly tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah. what you do? Yeah, thanks, Will. Um, my name is, is David Edwards. I'm a PhD uh, researcher from the University of Glasgow. And my PhD focuses on uh, Estonian, um, Estonian attitudes towards regional identity. Um, it engages with the question of, is Estonia a Nordic country? But mostly asks the question of, of where Estonians situate themselves within the, the bigger picture of Europe. And then uh, brings into, into play things like uh, public communication, public relations and, and public diplomacy. Okay, fantastic. It's been a very, very big and very live issue in the last uh, 25 years in particular. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll come back to David uh, in a little bit and we'll have a conversation about that. But I'm also joined by Stuart Garlick. Uh, Stuart, can you tell us a bit about who you are? Uh, yes, uh, I am also an Englishman. I come from Shrewsbury originally, uh, and um, I uh, work for my own company called Charm Offensive, the English agency, which uh, does language teaching and uh, journalism in Tallinn and Estonia. Uh, at the moment, I'm teaching in a few places around Tallinn and very much enjoying it. Quite understandable. Tallinn's a lovely and beautiful city, even if rather cold today. Um, so we're going to go back to Stuart in a little bit and he's going to give us uh, his take on life in Tallinn at the moment. Um, but first we'll go back to uh, David. So I want you to tell me a little bit more about this research you're doing into mm -hmm. Estonian identity. What exactly are the methods you use to find out what Estonians feel about themselves at the moment? Yeah, so as, as you mentioned, this has been a, a really interesting debate and topic of conversation for the last 25 years. Um, and actually now is a really interesting time to study Estonia because uh, holding the rotating presidency of the European Union has given it, uh, Estonia a chance to kind of uh, tell the world 
world, tell a wider audience about what, what Estonia is all about. So it's a really good way of um, looking at that message. So my research uh, does a couple of different things. It Number one, uh, I, I conduct lots and lots and lots of interviews with different Estonians, asking them how they understand uh, Estonia's place within Europe, where they position themselves. What are, What is it important uh, when you're describing what an Estonian is? What is important to Estonia? Um, that's the first thing. Then uh, the second thing is I compare that with the opinions of uh, Finnish uh, and Swedish people. Um, so I've been conducting interviews in, in Helsinki and in, in Stockholm, uh, asking for their point of view about whether Estonia is a, is a Nordic country or how they perceive Estonia. So trying to get these external perceptions of Estonia. And then the third part is then uh, bridging that to those, those two different poles. Uh, so it's how Estonia, the country, tells the rest of the world about itself. What kind of stories does it tell? What is important about Estonia and what does Estonia want the rest of the world to know about it? Because yeah, obviously, um, it's it's been a debate here whether Estonia is a, is a Nordic country or not. Uh, but abroad, uh, you tend to get uh, mixed reactions when you suggest that Estonia is a Nordic country. So there's obviously there's a big gap there between the way Estonians see themselves and the way the rest of the world see them, and and that's something that, that I've been exploring as well. So it's mm. how Estonians see themselves, how the rest of the world sees Estonia, and how Estonia goes about. Um, getting the two in line with each other, how Estonia mm. wants the rest of the world to see it. Well, there's a lot to talk about there. But um, first of all, in, in the interviews you do with Estonians in particular, mm. what kind of uh, definitions or identities come up? Are these, obviously you have Nordic, Baltic, Eastern European, Northern European, maybe Russian for some in, residents of Estonia? Yeah, the, these these are all very, very important um, uh, definitions uh, and they all come up to it to some extent or another. Um, but the the way that I conduct the exercises, I ask them to kind of divide all of the countries in Europe into groups. Then we talk about the groups that they've divided them into and then use Estonia as a case study. Um, and I would say with about 90 to 95% of the uh, Estonian-speaking Estonians, they will very, very happily put uh, Estonia either in a group with the Nordic countries or somewhere in between the, the Nordic and the Baltic states, uh, which which I think very, very nicely represents where Estonia is uh, when it comes to thinking about its regional identity. Um, but then, yeah, once once you start to explore this, you, you see that Estonia is a really interesting case study because it's got lots of different inputs <coughs> Uh, when you consider the regional identity of Estonia, I like to think of it as like um, a different tides washing in and, and leaving bits of, of, of debris on the seashore. So it's got lots and lots of um, different ways of understanding the identity. So it's really interesting to talk to these um, Estonians, not just Estonian-speaking Estonians, but also Russian-speaking Estonians, and see which of those pieces of Estonian identity they think are the most important when they're looking um when they're thinking about Estonia's place within Europe. But coming back to your original question, yeah, most of the, the Estonians that I talk to position Estonia either in the Nordic world or in between the Nordic and, and, and Baltic worlds. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we can talk a little bit more about what this really means in practice, being Nordic or being mm -hmm. Baltic, because both already have slightly vague definitions, particularly, particularly Nordic. But I'm, I'm interested, do you notice any particular difference between older and younger Estonians? Yes, in what way? Absolutely. Uh, older Estonians, um, you, you see two very polarised opinions when it comes to the way they see identity. Some feel very strongly that Estonia has, has kind of retaken its place uh, with 
um, with the Nordic countries. And this is especially emphasized through its links to Finland, these linguistic, cultural, historic links. And also you get a lot of, uh, a lot of conversation about uh, national characteristics and national behavior being very similar across the two countries. So some uh, older Estonians will, will talk more about that. Uh, and they see Estonia being, it's very important that it's a member of the European Union and NATO because it's very naturally a European country. Other Estonians, uh, other older Estonians, depending on their their kind of uh, their heritage and the way that they interacted with the Soviet Union and with with Russian Russians, uh, they will they will be a bit more not necessarily nostalgic, but they will be a bit softer when it comes to looking at the uh, Russian influence on on the country. They will recognise that there are big. Uh, linguistic um, uh, there's a big linguistic links between Estonian uh, and Russian languages for example there are lots of, of Russian loanwords in the Estonian mm-hmm. language uh, also the, the big impact that Russian cuisine has had on, on, on Estonian food so they will um, those ones yeah who, who had slightly less antagonistic links to the Soviet Union maybe they lived in a town where uh, there was a big military base so for example um, some of my interviewees come from, from Volga where there was a big military base, and they they will be much much kinder and much softer towards Russia, and they'll say that um, you know Estonia is not so different from Russia. But obviously, it's a very 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 sensitive topic because because of that history of of of, uh, of, of occupation and annexation. So it's it really depends from one person to the other, and I mean the whole research is is very 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 subjective. There are lots of different opinions, and different people will construct things in construct the same topic in very very different ways. So. Um, when it, yeah, when it comes to the older generation, they it, it will all depend on the way that they've interacted with with mm. Russia, um, the way that they see themselves fitting into Europe. Well, I, I can see there would certainly be different views about Russia from different Estonians depending on their uh, particular experiences in life. But does that actually affect their identity? You can have a positive opinions about Russians, but does that necessarily change how you see yourself as someone who speaks a language that isn't Slavic that has quite a distinct history from Russia? Um, yes and no. Uh, no, insofar as the, the, the foundations of the Estonian identity are untouched by this uh, relationship with Russia. So, for example, language is, is so, so, so important for, for Estonians. Um, and actually, yeah, the language is, is fundamentally very closely related to, to Finnish. Mm. So they will still feel uh, closely associated with Finnish, but then they will recognise that there is some interaction between Ru- Russian and Estonian language with these, yeah, for example, loan words. Whereas, I don't know, people from the north of north of the country, uh, from the west of the country, they'll be far less, far less keen to emphasise those links. So in a way, no, it doesn't affect uh, because the foundations are the same. In another way, it does slightly colour uh, mm. the their idea of Estonia in, in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, the connection with the Nordic identity as well, I mean, there's a lot to say about that. But mm. it, it's interesting in that, as we mentioned, Nordic doesn't have a very specific definition because obviously there's no Nordic group of languages. Absolutely. Or well, the, the Scandinavian languages, which are Germanic. Um, there's no necessary Nordic ethnicity. So Finland is included as a Nordic country, but it's not linguistically. Mm-hmm. So I could understand this connection with Finland, certainly. But when people talk about Nordic, 
What does that mean exactly? Well, that the, seems to include Sweden and Norway as well. Absolutely right. So the the the, the thing with, with the Nordic identity is that Finland very much muddies the waters here because uh, if you exclude Finland, you've got a group of countries which have very similar languages, who can communicate uh, and are mutually intelligible amongst each other and, and actually have very, very, very tightly bound history where mm. they're all uh, part of the same uh, empire at, at different times. Uh, but Finland very much muddies the water and, and it's through Finland that Estonia likes to associate itself with the Nordic countries. The fact that the languages are so similar, the culture is so similar. And then through that relationship with Finland, then they're able to draw in other aspects of history that link them to the, the Nordic states. So, for example, a, a, uh, not a lot, but a significant number of my interviewees talk about the Golden Swedish Times. Uh, and they use this as, as evidence that, that Estonia belongs with the, the Nordic countries. Mm. Because uh, when, when Sweden uh, was, uh, was in charge of Estonia, they, for example, founded Tartu University, uh, uh, they were very influential in developing the the agriculture of the country. Mm. Um, we, should, we should just explain for anyone who's listening who might not know. This was roughly the seventeenth to eighteenth yeah, century, absolutely. I believe, where yes, Estonia and northern Latvia as well was absolutely part of the Swedish Empire. We're part of the Swedish Empire, so it's the seventeenth century, and then it ends uh, with the Great Northern War. Um, but yeah, the Estonians they're they're very 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 keen to to, to emphasise this link. Uh, whereas when you talk uh, to Swedish uh, interviewees, which which I've done. Uh, not, I think maybe one of them mentioned that oh we used to be uh, we used to run Estonia for a while, um, but that for them isn't really that important um, when it comes to Swedish uh, S- Swedish speakers or or even uh, Finnish people talking about Nordic identity. It's much more about the role of the state in society, the welfare state, um, some form of mentality, and obviously the biggest barrier that. Uh, Swedish and and Finnish uh, participants have identified, uh, which also Estonians identify when we talk about barriers to uh, understanding Estonia as a Nordic country, is is economic, uh, the economic situation where uh, Finland and Sweden are much, much, much better off. They've got much better GDP um, and Estonia is still catching up in that sense. Mm, and it, I, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, sorry. Just one, one last point is that uh, for many uh, Swedish uh, and, and, and Finnish people, the way that they that Estonia touches their lives is is through people uh, uh, m- migrating there in order to to perform I don't know low paid work. Um, and so long as that's the case, it's going to keep reinforcing the idea that Estonia is something else, something other than an Nordic country, some some Eastern European country. And no matter what the Estonian government says to people uh, when it comes to hosting the European Union presidency, for example. Because there is the question, I think, certainly for people outside Estonia, certainly in Western Europe, I think if we think about what Nordic means... There are certain associations as well. Yeah, they're very wealthy countries, but I think we particularly think of this kind of Nordic model mm-hmm. of a very social social democratic state, mm-hmm. very high taxes, quite low inequality. Whereas it seems to me in Estonia, there isn't a very strong movement towards this politically. And Absolutely. this isn't how people see the Nordic identity in Estonia. And there's this question, I think, of whether you can pick and choose this as- these aspects. Yeah, it's, it's it's it all comes down to what what people think is more important when they're uh, when, when they're defining uh, what these regions mean. But certainly, yeah, in, in the Nordic countries, this welfare model, uh, this welfare state, is is very 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 important. And in Estonia, um, that wasn't constructed. Well, why not? Because Estonia, when it became independent again in in ninety one. 
uh, social democracy, social welfare, these kind of things were, were very much out of, of fashion. We had the Washington Consensus. We had the, the victory of, of Thatcherism and, and, and capitalism. Uh, so very much when the Estonian state was, was being built again in 1991, uh, what was fashionable was a small state with simple taxation model um, and, and, and heavy privatisation. So there's a big disconnect yeah, between Estonia and, and, and the Nordic states when it comes to this. Um, but it comes down to the question of what, what you think is more important when you're defining these, these regions. So, um, OK, there may be a difference in that sense, but then there are similarities in other senses. And that's why I think my, my, my research is very interesting is because it, it, it touches on what these different people think is important. And uh, ultimately, two people can have completely different opinions about the same topic. And, and for example, what is a Nordic country is, is one of those topics that people can have different opinions about. And how kind of aspirational do you feel this is as an identity? Because we're going to talk a bit later about how accurate people's perceptions of themselves, in fact, are, mm-hmm. how based on history they are. Obviously, as you mentioned, when Estonia regained its independence in 1991, particularly then, it was an extremely poor country compared to Scandinavia and still is relatively poor. Um, I can see that Nordic as an identity had much more potential than, say, Baltic or Eastern European, which were broadly in the same position. Um, how far is is it based on shared commonalities or shared values or shared uh, characteristics and how far is it this sense of this is what we would like to be yeah there's a it's it's a very interesting question because in 1991 you can you can kind of take these definitions and, and, and run with them and shape them in your own way but Estonia was was less interested in engaging with that or rather engaging with it only to to meet certain aims and ends which were yeah, European Union and, and NATO membership whereas Nordic already existed it had this idea of being uh, innovative progressive uh, a good place to do business a very safe and secure environment so this was very 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 attractive for Estonia plus as well because of the the the, these cultural and linguistic links, which we've already mentioned, um, it was much, much, much more interesting for Estonians to kind of um, start to re-engage with that concept of, of being Nordic rather than to to craft their own uh, Baltic identity. Um, but this this Nordic identity, this is uh, and and whether it's aspirational, this is a question which is asked quite a lot. Um, and yeah, coming back to what the the respondents say, they. They use uh, lots of these kind of uh, innovative and um, aspirational aspects of Estonian culture um, and say this is not necessarily us trying to prove uh, n- that we are Nordic, but the other way around, that because these things are inherent in our identity, our identity it proves that we are Nordic. Mm. Uh, we're not doing it deliberately. We're just acting naturally and people can see that actually the way we act naturally is Nordic. Um, and the example of this is, is with the uh, e-society, e-governance and uh, the e-residency and the, the, the ID cards, um, which are obviously very, very important for Estonia. You can see how important they are because that's what they talk about uh, when they're hosting these European Union presidency events and conferences. Um, but they take this example not not to say, look how Nordic we're trying to be, but saying, look how um, look how we can use these ideas. Look how resourceful we are. Uh, look how innovative we are. And this proves that we're Nordic, not that we're trying to be Nordic, but that we actually are and people can recognise that. It's interesting because in many ways, particularly in this field, Estonia is in fact in. Uh, ahead of the Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, lots, lots of Estonians 
I've heard in, in conferences uh, use the example that uh, the, the technology, the base technology for these ID cards came from Finland. It was some uh, ob- obsolete uh, program that the, the Finnish had, had kind of developed but didn't really need. And the Estonia, uh, they offered it to the Estonians. The Estonians took it, completely reworked it, ran with it and, and rolled it out across the country and then sold it back to the, the, the Finns again. So, um, so yeah, it, it is, it's really very, very, very interesting. And what comes up in your uh, interviews as what are Estonian national characteristics? You've mentioned, obviously, the language being mm-hmm. very important, which is very understandable. What are other things people mention as this is us? Yeah, this is what we are. There's a, there's a couple of, uh, of things. Resourcefulness is something which comes up a lot um, when people talk about national characteristics. When you ask, what, what, what is an Estonian? Give me some uh, ideas about what an Estonian is. They say it's, it's resourceful. Uh, they talk about during the Soviet times having to, to make do the best with what they have. Uh, and this is, is a, you know, another example of this is with this ID card system. Uh, so this resourcefulness is something which comes across. Uh, lots of Estonians like to to, to to mention that they are not the most um, outwardly friendly, gregarious uh, people in the world, that they are, when you first meet them, quite quiet. They may look a little bit grumpy, but actually when you get to know them, they're, they're very, very friendly. Um and this, they, they, they're very keen to link with, with Finland, which also has a, a reputation uh, for being quite a quiet nation, uh, not a very uh, social nation when it comes to interacting with strangers. So in this sense, um, this is also something that they link to, to, to Finland. But yeah, this idea of being a little bit quiet, um, a little bit, not necessarily antisocial, but <laughs> not, not so key. I mean, you guys have probably noticed when you're sitting on the, on the tram, mm. uh, this is the, the, the key that everyone notices that everyone looks quite grumpy. But actually, you know, Estonians aren't grumpy. They're, they're quite happy inside. It's just they, they look, they've got this resting grumpy face, maybe you'd call it. Um, but yeah, the, these are the main uh, characteristics, this resourcefulness, um, but also, yeah, these, these social characteristics, which... Like I say, they, they're very keen to link that to the, to the Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I noticed, Stuart, you've been uh, writing frantically notes. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything perhaps to chip in with on that? Uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, um, chip in in particular with, um, a while back, the, the Norwegian Prime Minister, I've forgotten her name, uh, tweeted a picture uh, which she said was uh, significant because it featured all the Nordic Prime Ministers together for the first time in ages. And um, I... I, th- I thought that they were missing one key figure there because Yuri Ratas was not in it. And I mentioned this to a friend of mine and who was Estonian and the Estonian friend of mine said, yes, but you can't really go calling Estonia Nordic with the current prime minister because he's definitely not Nordic. And so that leads me on to a question, really. To, to, to what extent is Nordicness just the outward perception and aesthetics of indeed a person or a country? And because, I mean, you can imagine in the Ruivas Ilves era, one of those would have tweeted, what about us? But it seems like now we're entering this new Kalilaid Ratas type era of keeping quiet and getting on with your job without being too showy. Would you Would you agree with that? I, yeah. I think, sorry, I'll just jump in quickly just to clarify the difference between uh, Yuri Ratas and uh, Ilves and Roivas is to do, you guys would know better than me, but because Ratas is from the centre party, which is perceived as being more pro-Russian. Pro, more pro-Russian. Well, okay. it, is, it, that, is that the difference you're trying I, to say I mean, that the, the Estonian friend was mentioning? The, the, the centre party uh, is... Um, 
historically perhaps more Russia-leaning, but I think now that they've lost Edgar Sarazar as a member of the party, uh, they are probably more of a centre-left social democratic broadly party, I would okay, say now. but less technocratic than reform would be perceived to be? Uh, less conservative, less less small statist, I would say. Mm-hmm. OK, all right, sorry, just jumping in to clarify for anyone who no, might absolutely. not be aware. Um, I, I agree broadly with the point, actually, that this, uh, the, the perceptions, the out the external perceptions of the country were different when they had a very, uh, what was perceived to be a very young, dynamic prime minister, and also a, a, a very, very diplomatic, um, uh, a very, very uh, able English-speaking with an American accent president as well. Um, and now the the perception maybe is slightly different. Um, obviously, with the, the the recent scandal that we've had with 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 Tavi Royvas, maybe that's a little bit muddied the the perceptions of 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 him as a person and and of his prime ministership. Um, but yeah, we're certainly perceptions are are, are changing. Is it less Nordic? Um, I'm not so sure. I mean, certainly having a, a female president uh, feels very Nordic in terms of gender equality. Now, obviously, Estonia is lagging very, very far behind most of the other Nordic countries when it comes to gender equality. But having a, a female president uh, is very important. But Yuri Ratas, um, does he come across as being a, a Nordic um, prime minister? I probably agree with you. No, No, he doesn't. Um, that's not to say he's a bad prime minister, but um, it's certainly he, he's, his perception as being one of the kind of ultra professional, uh, very, very um, public relations managed uh, prime minister. He, he certainly doesn't doesn't have that. So mm, externally, yeah, I, I, I agree. These, these kind of labels are given to countries based on the way they're perceived externally. And maybe with the, the current leadership, political leadership in the country, Estonia's a little bit further back from that. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that it's it's entirely the case that it's it's becoming being perceived less Nordic now, because certainly, yeah, having a, a, a female president like Kirsty Kalulide, who is very, um, who is, uh, she's very, very good. She's very comfortable when, when she's on the stage. Um, I think this is still quite, quite positive when it comes to engaging Estonia with this Nordic identity. Okay, great. Uh, I, I wanted to link in uh, the, the idea of Estonia's view of itself uh, with um, a, a couple of discussions that I had recently. Um, one was uh, at Tallinn Fashion Week. Now, um, es- Estonian fashion um, historically has been, and I think people might criticise me for saying this a little bit, a bit of a punchline because uh, it, 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 it's a little bit like how on an episode of the Monocle podcast many years ago, uh, these supposedly cosmopolitan presenters were chortling at the idea of a Polish catamaran, even though Poland has a long seafaring history and has one of the you know leading ports in Gdansk, etc. And I think, I think Estonian fashion has always been a bit like a Polish catamaran. It's always been something that has been done quite well, but hasn't maybe had the outside reputation it should have done. Um, and I remember going to Talent Fashion Week for the first time in 2012. Uh, it was uh, in, yeah, uh, it, it, it was it was in Teleskivi uh, in Tallinn and um, it was um, in this um, kind of an old factory. It felt, it felt a bit like a shed and it was very cold and at the time there weren't many foreigners there. Well, this, this year it was a lot more international. There were a lot more um, foreign people there and um, it it felt like something where Estonia was trying to reach out to the rest of the world and was was trying to um, show something show something new really to the rest of the world. So, I, I mean, I, I wonder how much uh, the guys um, that that I'm with think you know that 
this is an example of a change because previously things were made by Estonians for Estonians and, and now we're reaching out a bit more. We're showing people a bit more of what Estonia can do. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think Estonian design and Estonian fashion is, is now starting to, to be to be recognised more internationally and, and, and recognised better. Um, one of Obviously, one of the, 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 the key... Um, the key kind of emissaries of Estonian fashion is, is Retaus, uh, and obviously her fashion uh, label, the, the documentary movie she made about upcycling uh, and working conditions in Bangladesh. Um, and as, you know, as, as Estonian design and Estonian fashion gets uh, more of an international reputa- reputation, obviously this, this ties in also with the, the Nordic um, perception of design, you know, these IKEA, Danish, uh, very, very innovative design companies. So, um, but I, I, I agree that, that, that Estonian fashion maybe wasn't so widely recognised uh, a while back, but certainly it's, it's becoming more internationally recognised now. And, and this could also be interpreted as, a, as a, another example of, um, of uh, this international recognition of, of Nordic country. Uh, you, you alluded to as well another very interesting point, which is this uh, redesignation of space, which um, hopefully we'll get some more time to talk about later. But this is also uh, something which is very Nordic. If you uh, consider, for example, the, the similarities between Teleskivi and, for example, the Finlayson factory complex in, in Tampere, they, they are actually quite similar when we're talking about redesignating these old industrial spaces and using them as these kind of t- uh, design and fashion uh, and startup innovation hubs. So uh, this is another thing which, which is uh, very interesting. So There's definitely something we'll come back to. Uh, we're going to take a short break. And after that, Stuart's going to tell us a little bit more about his experiences of Tallinn Fashion Week. And we're going to return to this theme of identity uh, again. So please do stay with us. Back to the Deep Baltic Estonia podcast, where I'm joined here in Tallinn today by David Edwards and Stuart Garlic. And we're going to go over to Stuart now, who's going to give his opinions, as he was doing a little bit before, on Tallinn Fashion Week and other experiences he's recently had. Yeah. Um, and for, for me, the reason why Tallinn Fashion Week is interesting in the context of this discussion that you guys were having is because, it, um, as I said, it really shows how um, Estonia and event organisers in Estonia are taking a step forward in terms of how they show uh, themselves as an example of Estonia as something um, to do with Estonia in the world. 
Um, as I mentioned, that they've changed the venue a lot. Uh, Telescovy has really built up into this uh, sprawling sort of uh, creative hub now. And uh, this year we were in Vabalava, which is uh, the brand new theatre complex within Telescovy. Uh, Really cool place, the kind kind of place that you might find in um, a lot of modern um, um, redeveloped provincial towns in, in England, for example. Um, and for, for me, uh, you know, the, the whole atmosphere of Talent Fashion Week was not um, something uh, that was semi-professional. It was something that was fully professional. And uh, e even the uh, up-and-coming new designers who were on show um, put together... Uh, very slick shows, but uh, I, I went there in particular for uh, three of the um, established uh, designers and design groups that were showing stuff there. Um, one was uh, Lena Stain, who uh, recently has started selling work in France as well, and uh, apparently is getting a very good reception in Paris. Um, some Estonian designers have been going to China and getting a good reception there, Christina Viropalu, for example. Um and Lena Stain's show was, um, as I say, slick. It, it was it was well put together. But most interestingly, it showed for me a style which you could um, quite uh, quite commercially sell in Western Europe, but which is different and distinct to Western Europe. Uh, and I I think that that's a key difference for me between. Uh, Estonia as Nordic and Estonia as itself, because uh, maybe part of a sort of Baltic world, because, you know, being Baltic is nothing to be scared of, to uh, to paraphrase Adam Ant. Um, and I, th I think that the style that we have in Estonia and the, and the kind of design trends that we have in Estonia are something that you don't readily get in other countries um you know it's it's this clean cut sort of streamlined look it's uh, n not being overly showy with patterns it's uh, it's 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 having having clear bold coloring um and it, it's it's something that sure is is prevalent in maybe the nordic style in finland for example as well in sweden but uh, it's it's definitely something cool that estonia can export uh, as its own variant uh I mean, one of the big Estonian design success stories, I think, is uh, Chris Sonic Kalman, whose label Chris Sonic um, Lingerie has been um, has has been based in London for um, over a decade now. Um, she went there to study, and then she uh, um, got picked up by the labels there, and uh, she's she's been she's been successfully selling in London uh, since then. And I mean, I spoke to her a year ago, and she was very happy to do Talon Fashion Week at that time, but it was very clear that she saw it as kind of a service that she was doing uh, to boost the profile of the event. And I almost feel like the tables are gradually turning now. So actually doing Talon Fashion Week is something that can help a designer to boost their name internationally, potentially, which wasn't the case two or three years ago. Um, how does this fit in in terms of how Estonians regard themselves? I feel like Estonia is more confident now in how it shows itself in terms of creatively. Uh, the whole digital Estonia agenda has always been there. Uh, I mean, people have always been very proud of the electronic signing, of e-residency, of the uh, digital initiatives that we've come along uh, that, that have come out as part of the uh, EU presidency. But uh, I, th I think that in terms of the creative arts, in terms of design. Uh, this is something that Estonia is still integrating into its national brand. 
And uh, I, I saw a big change this year in terms of their willingness to do so. I, I mean, I wonder if you guys uh, have seen around you a greater confidence in terms of how Estonia displays itself in terms of creatively, in terms of aesthetically and artistically. Uh, I, I was thinking of two really, really, really good examples, actually, while you were talking Um of Estonian design, which I think is really quintessentially Estonian now. Uh, first of all, uh, the first example of these wooden bow ties. Now, may- maybe you wouldn't uh, necessarily wear those yourself. Maybe you don't necessarily agree with them. But I think the the, the design and, and and the marketing of them is is a really really Estonian thing. Um, it's kind of reinventing and and repurposing uh, a classic design piece, uh, which was obviously made. Uh, famous again by by the by the present, but also I- including nature into that design as well. So I, I um, like I say, w- whether your fashion tastes differ about these these this item of clothing, these wooden bow ties, which are really 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 popular here, I think are really uh, quintessentially Estonian. This re- repurposing classic designs and also incorporating these natural materials into it. You uh, sorry, Dave. You might have to explain for me what this is. You said a wooden bow tie. Yeah, this so is obviously something I've missed. No, absolutely. So uh, in, in in lots of the the shopping centres here now you will find an Estonian design shop uh, and it will be full of these kind of Estonian uh, products um, things which are largely marketed at tourists Uh, and one of the things in there is 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 a wooden bow tie so it's a bow tie made out of wood right Um, that you where that you that you, that oh, you wear okay. as as you would as totally you missed. as you would a normal bow tie and they've okay. they've, they've become you know fairly fairly popular but I I, I remember th- like walking past and, and seeing this and thinking you know this is this is the essence of Estonia isn't it? it it's being resourceful it's using nature using the the, the kind of resources that you have uh, but also kind of making a, a classic design functional and and, and mm. interesting and. And, and cool again. So this was mm. this was one thing that I thought was really really interesting. And the other one, uh, the, uh, the way that they're incorporating these regional folk patterns and and, and folk uh, designs into these kind of tote bags and and, and ties. Again, whether or not your 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 fashion taste will extend to to, to using one of these or, or, or buying one, I think it's a really Estonian thing, and it's it's an example of, of Estonians becoming more confident about uh, these kind of traditional. Uh, designs and, and and repurposing them and bringing them into the 21st century. So mm. I, I agree uh, with your point there, Stuart, that Estonian design is, is, is very distinctive. Um, and I, I, for one, am a, a big fan of, of these kind of ideas and, and these ways of, of bringing these products into the 21st century. And, and I mean, do, would you would you agree as well that, that the style and the sort of trends and tropes that we're seeing have always been there? It's, ju- it's just a question of having the confidence to express them more internationally. Yeah, com- confidence is, is, is a really, really big thing here. I, I remember uh, when, I, when I first started um, coming to Estonia and, and, and engaging with Estonia, there was a kind of very, very... Um, I don't know reticence. They were quite shy about who they were and, and why they're important. You still get it, don't you? Where 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 the you meet an Estonian, you talk about where you're from, and they're a little bit shocked that you know why is an English person here talking to me in Estonian about Estonia, right? Um, but now uh, I, I think the country is becoming more more confident. It's it's much more international. Um, and I, I guess it, it it comes with success now that Estonia has successfully incorporated these kind of e systems. It's extended this this wireless network uh, all the way into the deepest forests in 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 in, in um, There is this confidence about Estonia, and I, th- I think it's it's very good and it's very encouraging to see this this country kind of flowering and blossoming uh, in this way. Certainly, when you look at the the architecture uh, around, it's 
out, it's it's very much out with the old, in with the new, isn't it? And you know, you can debate the merits of that approach, but I guess it's an expression of of confidence in the Estonian state, in the Estonian economy, in the security of the country. And uh, sorry, Stuart, kind of yeah, a question ahead. for both of you, really. Uh, what do you think Estonians are saying? to people if they are doing things like wear, wearing one of these wooden bow ties that you mentioned or a tote bag with folk patterns what do you think that that they are trying to say about themselves by doing that i, I mean i i would say that uh that there is i i, I would say that, that there's there's no sort of mutual exclusivity between wanting to be part of the nordic sphere and part of nordic decision making and part of that sort of um uh, seen as part of that trend, but also wanting to have your own distinct Estonian style. I, I uh, but I, I would also say that um, we need to develop the idea of Baltic not being a negative word as well. Mm. No, I agree. Um, I, Baltic isn't a negative word. It, it, you can repurpose these terms uh, to, to to mean whatever you want them to. Mm. But uh, coming back to to your question, well, what what are Estonians trying to say? Um, I always think of of Estonia and the Estonian language as being some kind of secret club, mm. um, where you know the, these Estonians who who went abroad during the, the Soviet times and, and lived in Canada and, and Australia, they very much preserved their Estonian identity. And I think this this wearing of these Estonian designs is very much a, another function of that. It's an extension of that um, preserving of of one's identity and. I think it's a pushback against globalization. Remember that this is a this is a, a country that that with withheld strong Russification uh, processes that kind of had to cherish and defend its national identity uh, and these folk traditions in a time when uh, it was always modern, modern, modern. Uh, this kind of socialist futurism of the of the fifties and the sixties, and as well as the the kind of Stalinist. Um, uh, the, the Stalinist purges and uh, on on Estonian culture, and and I see this as a, an, an extension of that. I, I see it as a pushback against globalization. It's saying, look, uh, we can be international. We can, you know, uh, do our business in English. We can set up successful startups, for example, um, which we can export this technology around the world. But at the same time, we can still be proud of our our home and our heritage. Um, and and carry this kind of piece of Estonia with us all all the time. I guess it's this idea of going out into the world and your your body being elsewhere, but your heart is still in Estonia and, and, and grounding yourself to mm. back home. And I, that that's how I understand this. It's okay. Well, we're going to talk a little bit later in the in the third part of the program about how much Estonian identity is something exclusive or whether it can become something inclusive. But um, a question for you, Stuart. You, mm. you mentioned about Italian Fashion Week happening at Teleskivi, which is kind of interesting in itself because I think Teleskivi, for people who don't know, is this. Uh, how would you describe it? A kind of post-industrial <laughs> post, post regenerated area yeah. in inner city Tallinn, which mm. certainly in the last five years, I think mm -hmm. we would say, has uh, become very much a success story. Lots of bars, restaurants and so on. Yeah. This seems to be how Estonia or Tallinn wants to present itself. Do you think it was significant that it, it happens there rather than in the old town or somewhere else in the city? I, I absolutely think so. I mean, Teleskivi is a repurposed factory complex. Uh, it, it's now become the home to all kinds of creative artists from, you know, music management through to painters, uh, etc. Uh, through through to, indeed, Comedy Estonia, the, um, the English and Estonian-speaking uh, comedy troupe that goes around the country. Uh, and I, yeah, I think that was significant because uh, that that is 
if you like, the base for the creative arts in Estonia. Um, we have the Estonian Academy of Arts, which obviously is based elsewhere, but even that's going to be eventually moving to um, a former sock factory uh, in the Kalamaya area. So I, I think we're going to see that as becoming the real arts hub of Tallinn in the next 15, 20 years, um, if, 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 we're, um, if, if things continue as they are. Um, I mean, I wanted to uh, swing the um, conversation as well to other uh, repurposed buildings or buildings that are not being repurposed because I was discussing with a lecturer from Tallinn University, uh, Lena Hull, and the future of it. And I think this is a building that... uh, if you speak to many Estonians, they're not proud of because it comes from, well, the pre-1980 Olympics era. It comes from that uh, that era of, uh, you know, wanting to push Soviet design styles onto um, Estonia. And yet now it's fallen into disrepair. Um, I mean, it's it's a wonderful facility inside, but uh, it's it, the longer it's left, the longer it's in disrepair. And it's under the protection of the cultural heritage institutions in Estonia. And I, I asked specifically about uh, this mural that had appeared on the side of Lena Hull. Mm-hmm. It was uh, approved by a member of Tallinn City Government, so in, in theory they had jurisdiction over it. And yet three or four days later, uh, the Cultural Heritage Board of Estonia said it had to be removed. Mm-hmm. And I asked this uh, lecturer, you know, um, is it worth having cultural heritage laws to protect buildings if they actually take away points of interest that make people proud again for a new reason of that building and clearly we're a few years away from Lena Hull being usable as either apartments or business buildings again so um, I, I, I wondered what what the other guys in the studio thought of that I mean um, what what is cultural heritage if it's not a way of making people proud again for a new reason of an old building yeah Lena Hull is a very very interesting example um, because most the way that new arrivals engage with the building is a place where you can walk on the roof. Uh, for example, you might see uh, that there was a, a music video which was shot at Linehall and it was very much playing on these themes of desolation, abandoned and, and, and dilapidated uh, buildings. So this is the way when, most when people engage with it. Sorry, David, just when does Linehall date from? It's about late 70s, 1980s. Oh, it was built for the, for the Moscow Olympics. It was, so okay. it, it, it was it's built... very much a Soviet aesthetic Absolutely, building, yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was built uh, for two reasons. It was a, as a concert hall, but also as a place where you could watch the, the sailing events from, from the Moscow Olympics and... Mm-hmm. Um, one 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 person that I've been talking to very recently w- was telling me about how he he came all the way up from southern Estonia in in 1980 in order to uh, visit a concert there and to watch the, the 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 sailing events at the Olympics and he certainly had very very fond memories of of, of Lindahl. Um When it comes to to these to these buildings, you, you, there's something of a, a mixed attitude towards them. Um, on on the one hand, they do represents something uh, interesting, important, something to be treasured about your, your cultural heritage. Um, because all of the, the mixture, the, the, you know, the, the mosaic of, of these different buildings builds the picture of who you are and, and your history. Um, uh, and it tells a story about where you've come from and the journey that the country has been on. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, they also represent um, symbols of oppression. And um, I, I don't know what the future of, of Lindahal is, um, but obviously the, the, the concert venue inside 
I've having never been in there, but it, uh, from pictures, it looks very, very spectacular. But there are there are quite a few of these 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 old Soviet uh, buildings and monuments which are very much unloved. And the the other example is is Maria Maggi uh, monument, which is uh, as far as I can tell, is has just been like roped off and allowed to fall into disrepair in the hope that it kind of collapses and then they can build something new on it whilst obviously the Estonian History Museum next to it is going through this extensive uh, re- regeneration mm. process so mm. It's a so Soviet war memorial It's a Soviet, it? Absolutely, yeah. it's a Soviet war memorial, it was built on, a, on an old uh, German World War I uh, graveyard so it's, it's very very political and it's very sensitive as well um, but coming back to the, these buildings which are successfully repurposed. Um, I think it's important as well to note that the building next to Lindahal is is the Kulturi Kattel, and mm-hmm. that's the headquarters of the uh, Estonian EU presidency. Uh, so for the last uh, five months or so, they've been bringing foreign visitors, conferences and things have been held in that building. Again, it's a very big um, cultural stage, a showpiece, an exhibition hall, but it's also significantly built into a former power station. So mm. it, it's another example of a building that's been repurposed and, 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 and redeveloped. Obviously, if you go uh, further along the coast, you, you've got, um, you've got the, the Arsenal facility, you've got the, the Patare Vangla, you've got the Seaplane Museum. These are all buildings which are undergoing renovation to, to a different extent where they're being repurposed. So. Yeah, I, I should probably explain. The, the, the Arsenal facility uh, does not refer to the football club. It, <laughs> it, it refers to the former munitions factory in Copley in northern Tallinn, which has now become a shopping centre. Um I've, and um, actually, that's an interesting uh, case study because it's it's become a shopping centre along the lines of um, all the other Tallinn shopping centres that Tallinn residents know, and yet it's got practically zero transport links. So, um, so consequently, you know, storeholders are having a bit of a problem there. I mean, um, is is this uh, an example of how Tallinn needs to grow in terms of its transport, in terms of accessibility, in order to move on to next stage? It's. It's starting to to be a conversation. Um, obviously, there are the the big grand projects like the lots of people are talking about Hyperloop and the Talsinki area as being a potential candidate for Hyperloop. But on a on a micro level, yeah, it's starting to be a conversation. In the regional elections we had here uh, last month, was it earlier this month? I can't remember. Earlier this month, hmm. um, there was a, a specific uh, pressure group. A small party on on the on the ballot list, uh, which were were campaigning for a, a metro and better transportation. So it is something which is starting to to get into the conversation a bit more. Um, mm. We're I, uh, I, th- I think I'm it's sorry, we're going to have to take another short break, but we will return to some of these themes a bit later in the third part of the program. Uh, we're also going to think about Estonia. Is it a Baltic country in any sense at all, and how? Uh, Yes, I just wanted to clarify one thing uh, because I didn't mention while I was talking about Lena Hull that the mural painted on the side was done so uh, at the approval of um, a person seeking re-election supposedly so uh, I I didn't want to be disingenuous there was a party political purpose behind doing it um, so perhaps that was part of the discussion as well. Okay, thank you for the clarification. Um, Anyway, as I was saying, we're going to be thinking about whether Estonia is a Baltic country, to what extent, um, and Estonia's relationship with the quite large proportion of Estonia's population who are not ethnically Estonian. Okay, thanks. Please stay listening.
welcome back to the third part of the Deep Baltic Estonia podcast, where I'm joined by researcher from the University of Glasgow and Estonian speaker David Edwards. And we're going to continue talking a little bit about uh, David's research into Estonian identity, how Estonians see themselves, how they perceive their history, where they think the country's going. Um, so we do... David, have to talk a little bit about this Baltic question. Yes, the website is Deep Baltic. It is dedicated not only to Estonia, but also to Latvia and Lithuania. Um, how do people in the interviews you're conducting, what, what, what is their attitude towards the concept of Balticness? Do they see themselves as Baltic in any way? Um, yes, they do. Um, there is there is an idea of, of Estonia being between uh, the, the kind of Central and Eastern Europe and, 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 and the Nordic world. And this idea of Baltic represents a bridge between the two. It's it's kind of the colours starting to merge into each other. So Estonians they they do recognise that such a concept exists. Um, there was a there was an interesting joke which came came from one of my interviewees where they said that um, whenever we want to to make ourselves do better or encourage ourselves to perform better, we compare ourselves with the Nordic countries. But whenever we want to make ourselves feel better about what we've done and how far we've come and how far we've achieved, we compare ourselves with the Baltic countries, uh, which I thought was, was quite illustrative. But um, but no, they, they certainly they, they do recognise that there, there are links there. What they what the, the interviewees the, that I've spoken to say is that the further you get from Estonia, the, the less similar, they, which is obviously is understandable, but the less similar they are. Um, mm. So I, I like to ask the question about about Lithuania, for example, how similar is Estonia to Lithuania? And the, the interviewees that I speak to, they, they always say the same thing. Actually, I think there is more or less a consensus here, which is that, well, in Lithuania, they're, they're very strongly Catholic. Uh, they're very, very religious there. But here in Estonia, we, we're not religious at all. And it's a big difference between the two of us. Mm. Um, when it comes to, to Latvia, uh, there's a lot more similarities. Um, and especially, the obviously, the, the, the people who live in South Estonia, for example, the, the people that I've spoken to who live in Vuru or in, in Valga, they're obviously they feel a lot closer to to, to Latvia. They will recognise uh, similarities. The obviously the interesting thing is that there are links and deep deep mm. links between Estonia and Latvia. For example, there's a very similar uh, tradition of song festivals, singing, choir, folk dancing, for example, which Estonians, well, some Estonians, especially from the north, either aren't aware of or who don't. Mm. engage with when they're talking about identity when they mm. when they talk about uh estonian identity they will i they will link themselves with with finns and talk about the, the things that we mentioned before about language and culture and national behavior but the the links with latvia the the historic similar trajectories that the two countries took uh, the fact that northern latvia and, and, and southern estonia were part of the same duchy uh, for a long time it, it is also largely not necessarily ignored but not not acknowledged uh, mm. when it comes to de defining this so is Estonia a Baltic country yes and no uh, yes uh, obviously there are also uh, you know long historical ties and very recent historical ties you know over the last uh, 50 to 100 years the, the the three countries have charted very similar trajectories but I, I, I feel now that the 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 paths that the, the countries are taking are diverging. Um, and as a result, Estonians here feel less connected to, to mm. Latvia. One 
one uh, interviewee that I spoke to um, described visiting Latvia, uh, and no, no offence to any Latvians listening, but they described visiting Latvia as like Estonia or Tallinn 15 years ago. Um, right. So okay. there, there is that perception that, that going to Latvia is like stepping back in time. No offence to any Latvians no, or, La- uh, or Latvian residents. Just, just yeah, just uh, to, just to clarify that yeah. that's that's obviously that's not my opinion. Okay. That's a, that's an no, interview. No, no. From I, I, this is something I, I've heard occasionally, but it, it is interesting, particularly as someone living in Latvia as as I do myself or have done for the last few years. Um, that I, I'm not always sure this this common history is is appreciated in Estonia because in fact at least over the last few hundred years it seems to me that Estonia and Latvia particularly if we talk about the northern part of Latvia have had a far more similar history Mm. than Estonia and Finland have Mm -hmm. not only the Soviet Union but also the fact that they were the same part of the Russian Empire and Latvians I think have had a much more common history with Estonia than they have with Lithuania Mm -hmm. which has a very separate history connected with Poland being an empire and so on Um, so it's interesting that uh, this isn't necessarily always understood or perhaps you think it is but it's just not important to no, Estonians. I, I mean whether, whether or not it's understood I mean it, it comes back to the the, the fundamental uh, subjective nature behind my my research that people understand the same subject differently and they they take on board those elements of history which are important to them um, and kind of don't acknowledge the other parts of history that are, are less important and this, this these links to Latvia is, is one very good example of that um, and like I say this this golden Swedish time the different perceptions of that between uh, Estonians and, and, and Swedish people and it, it's all about just acknowledging bits of your past that you regard as being important um, and then other people acknowledging different parts of the same history as being more important this is this is very 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 significant when it comes to to my research. Mm -hmm. And there's also the question, of course, that in Estonia itself, not everyone necessarily identifies as Estonian or is a a speaker of Estonian as their first language. In fact, Estonia has one of the largest, we think about minority populations by proportion in the EU. I think 28% are Mm. Russian, 2% are Ukrainian, 1% Belarusian, etc. So the ethnic Estonian population, I think, is around 68%. I'd have to check this. Do you include people who are not ethnic Estonians in your interview? So, yeah, I, I talk to um, Russian speakers uh, as well, uh, because obviously they, they, they form a, a very significant part of the, of the Estonian population. Um, and the stories they tell are, are very different. Um, they, they talk about uh, Estonia's history as part of the Baltic states, so they, they feel... Um, more strongly attached to to, to Latvia and, and Lithuania, particularly to Latvia, because there are also a large number of, of Russian speakers there. Mm. But uh, interestingly enough, they don't see themselves as, as being very closely linked to to Russia. They they feel distinct from from Russia. So uh, there is a, there is a difference between the regional understandings of of Estonian speaking Estonians and Russian speaking Estonians, where. Uh, Estonian speaking Estonians will will draw a very thick line between Estonia and Russia, and they will mm. put, they will say Russia is something else, and we're we're, we're not similar to them, uh, and we're we're more similar to Finland. Whereas the Russian speaking Estonians, they don't necessarily group Estonia with Finland as uh, with Russia as such. They don't say we're very closely connected, but they will recognise that there is a shared history, that that history is complicated and and difficult. And you read a lot of, I hesitate to say hyperbole, but there's a lot of quite exaggerated uh, texts in in the media 
maybe from journalists who kind of fly in, write something and fly out and aren't mm. so well informed or, you know, um, who, who don't quite uh, immerse themselves in, in the culture and the situation here as much. Um, but it, Russian-speaking Estonians do feel patriotic and, and strong attachments to Estonia, but it's a, a different kind of identity. It's, it's, you know, this is where we're from. Uh, these are the, the people who represent us in football, in the Eurovision Song Contest. These are our prime ministers. Uh, these are the towns that we come from. These are the communities that we're mm. a part of. Um, and it's not so much talking about language, culture, history, but it's it's about place uh, when it when it comes to the, these Russian-speaking Estonians. But they certainly do feel, um, apart from Russia, they're, they're certainly, if you read some of these articles, you, you'll uh, get the impression that they're all kind of Putin sleeper agents. This is mm. 100% not the case. Mm. Um, they feel very patriotic, uh, pa- patriotically Estonian, but in a different way. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, and it's another reason why Estonia is a really interesting place what would, uh, to visit. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. What, Be- what, what would be characteristics that Estonian-speaking Estonians identify as being important in their identity that you don't tend to find as much with Russian-speaking mm. Estonians? There's a very key example um, that, again, one of my, my, my interviewees uh, brought up, and this is the, the relationship with nature. Um, the Estonians, well, some of the Estonian-speaking Estonians uh, talk very strongly about the Estonians' connection with the countryside and with nature. Mm. They they see these kind of hobbies and activities like uh, mushroom picking and, 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 and berry picking in the forest and going walking in, in, in the bogs and, and swimming in the bogs and sauna and lakes and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they see this as very, very important. Whereas the, the Russian speakers are, are more... Uh, I'd say maybe urbanized and they Mm. feel strong attachments to the urban areas where they're from. Um, Particularly people, yeah, from uh, Russian speakers from, from Tartu, even the, uh, the, the, the Vanuusalis, the older believers and those who aren't necessarily in an urban center, they still feel attached to place as Mm -hmm. opposed to culture Mm -hmm. or identity. And and also because the the Russian speakers in Estonia are very concentrated in urban areas, aren't they? In Tallinn and in the Northeast and Mm -hmm. to a certain extent in Tartu, though not as much. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's interesting that they, the approach to nature and and place is, is different. Estonians, uh, Estonian Estonians, they, they like to engage with nature Russian Estonians less so, but maybe that's a that's that's a result of this this urbanisation. Who knows? Um, but they they do still feel very strongly uh, proud uh, and patriotic about the the regions and the places that they're from. Um, it is it is a, in a different way though from the Estonians. Well, the the last thing that I think we have to speak a little bit about because we we we've touched on it is the question of language, which I think is particularly important. Uh, as in the other Baltic countries, maybe in the sense that there's a very small number of native speakers, I think only slightly over a million or slightly under a million, perhaps native yes. speakers in Estonia. In Estonia, just under yeah. a million. Because uh, I was doing a little bit of, uh, of research before recording this into other people who have researched Estonian identity. And there were a few quotes that I found really interesting, which is people saying things like, it doesn't matter uh, where you were born. It doesn't necessarily matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your religion. There was a quote from one particular person in an interview who said, um, I could accept in Viljandi, so a town in, small town in southern Estonia, um, a dark-skinned Muslim person speaking Estonian, they could be Estonian. But someone standing in the market and speaking Russian would never be Estonian. Um, what kind of role do you find that language plays in the interviews you're doing and the, the research you're doing? 
language is is a very very significant uh, factor, uh, definitely. Um, and that that attitude of of speaking the language is very important. Um, I think it, it it all comes down to this 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 Russification and this this period in the in the Soviet era where the language was under siege, uh, and as a result, Estonians are very very keen to to preserve their their language. Um, I always find it a little bit surprising that you you get more uh, leeway or, or or shock as a as a foreigner um, speaking Estonian rather than someone who who's lived in Estonia trying trying to learn the language as well mm. uh, because we it, we should clarify I'm not sure if we mentioned this earlier you are a fluent speaker of Estonian yeah but it, I mean, fluent is 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 a hard word to 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 find but yeah I, I speak it fairly well mm. well. Yeah, very well, and I, I do translation and, and things like this. Um, but people are often very shocked when when they find out that that I'm I'm not native Estonian, that I don't have any Estonian family, um, because I I don't know. I guess at the same time, there, there are lots of people living in Tallinn in Estonia who who don't learn uh, Estonian language, and I think it's a big big barrier. There's a there's a very rich culture to engage with if you if you do learn Estonian the Estonian language. Um, and many Estonians feel that if you take the time to learn the language and you speak it, then you should be welcomed in and, and, and yeah, you should feel part of the family. Like I say, this secret club. Um, but at the same time, um, there are Russian speakers in, in, in the country who find, it, who find it difficult to learn Estonian, who, who don't learn Estonian, who don't speak Estonian very well. I think it's a rapidly diminishing number. Mm. Um, at this uh, at the same time, but there are some. Um, but this is something that civil society and and the government are working to uh, to address. And if you look at a lot of the projects that are going on Narva at the minute, uh, the 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 way that the Migration and Integration Foundation are really 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 working hard in in Narva to extend mm. the, the Russian language. It is uh, sorry the Estonian language. It is it's 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 really really encouraging. Um, and I don't see why in in the future uh, Estonia can't exist as as, as a bilingual state. Um, speaking both uh, Estonian and, and Russian, obviously at the moment there is the barrier of the, this 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 complicated history. Uh, but you know, Finland and, and Sweden, for example, uh, Finland exists as a, as a bilingual state, engaging with a, a language that was a little bit complicated for a long time. So I think there is there is a future for a bilingual state. But at the minute, yeah, Estonian language is is very 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 important to, to Estonians. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, we mentioned a little bit. We were talking about this question of Linnehau, this um, old Soviet uh, monumental building. Um, what do you find that the different groups who you're researching in your interviews, how do they picture the period of Soviet occupation, which is around 50 years in Estonia? Do you get strong reactions? Does this inform the identity, whether negatively or positively? You know, very often it's it, it doesn't come up. Um, mm. And the reason why it doesn't come up is very much because it's the elephant in the room. It's it's the thing that everyone knows is there, but no one wants to talk about and engage with. And it comes back to Stuart's point actually, when when he was talking about these these buildings and your own point about these buildings, it's something which is there and which exists and which people don't want to engage with. And I I don't think it's the place for us as outsiders, as foreigners, as Westerners, as you know, European Union or, or governments or, or academics to say you need to talk about this. I think at some point. 
they will address and, and start to engage with this history. And you do see it happening at the moment. You see uh, people, I don't know, like uh, Tommy Cash, for example, who's who's proud of of, of his, his roots in, in, in Copley and, and Northern Tallinn yeah. and, and the, the effect and the impact that, that, that this, this Soviet time had. He's, so he's interesting, isn't he? Because he's an Estonian speaker, mm-hmm. as I understand. This is a, a, rapper, a rapper for anyone who, people who aren't aware. But he seems to be identifying or at least using a lot of imagery from Russian Estonian yeah, culture. So, yeah, I, I think you, you, you do see, like I say, you do see people engaging with that, that history and, and that, that heritage. And it's it, 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 it shifts over time. And, and again, this is why Estonia is, is such a great case study, because there are there's so many different resources and so many different legacies and heritages that people can engage with, with, with them as they pick and choose and as they please. And it's, it's very interesting to watch how that shifts over time and the way that people's kind of understandings and uh, identity moves. Okay. Well, we're going to have to round things off uh, fairly soon because we've massively overrun. This has been a very, very interesting conversation. But um, I have to kind of end, and I I get a sense of what your answer will be from what you've said, David, but a question to both of you. Um, Estonia existing as a multicultural country, which it it has to, to a certain extent, simply because of, as we've discussed, the the proportion of of minorities in the country. Um, Do you get a sense that this is moving in a positive direction in your research on identity? Uh, Stuart, first Go on, Stuart. Uh, well, um, I um, obviously my uh, my my research is just living here. I've not done as intensive research, obviously, as David has. But I, I mean, what I would say is that the recent election uh, brought a lot of alarmism about the uh, increase in the share of the vote that ECRA, the Conservative People's Party, was supposed to be getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, um, they they are kind of um, a neo far right party that uh, that believes in restricted immigration and you know um, a um, a restri- a lesser role in the European Union etc. And there was a lot of alarmism, but in the end they got a pretty small share of the vote. And um, what, what was what was the percentage in the end roughly? Uh, it was about five or seven. Was it? Am I right? right? It, wasn't, okay. it wasn't a great deal. I think but, that you um, need to be careful with, with this though. Um, I, I saw some some articles about this. Saying that oh Estonia is resisting the rest of the region's shift to the right, but actually a lot of the centre central parties, not not the centre party, but a lot of the the, the centre uh, middle ground parties have been sh- moving to the right. Mm. So you see um, Re- Reform Ericon, for example, the Reform Party, they they start to I- introduce these restrictions on, on on Russian language schools and things and mm. quotas. So and I I do I mean I. I... I, th- I think that there is a case where, for, for example, I'm not just blaming the Reform Party for this, but they were in power for 17 years nationally. Um, th- uh, there are a lot of cases where they don't want to lose their base and I think they take um, further right policies like we've seen with the Conservative Party in the UK to, to try and broaden their base mm. um, in perhaps what we as foreigners and uh, international people would consider to be the wrong way to do it. Their base being Estonian speakers in more rural areas or in cities as well? Yeah, but but also also members of what you might call the Estonian establishment who right. perhaps want to, uh, want to uh, cement the position of of what they would call classical Estonian culture, I guess. Um, but, I mean, I, I would say it's moving in the right direction just because um, I, um, I, I, I see more discussions taking place on an international basis within Estonia. Uh, I, I, I see that um, the, um, 
various discussions and events and things held are not just held on a for us by us basis anymore. It's uh, it, it's 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 including um, p- people from other countries and cultures. And I mean, if you if you look at something like Talent Music Week, to take another example, um, they are very open on including Russian speaking bands from Estonia. They're um, and. That um, they are very open on the on the idea of expanding to other places. Also, Puff, the uh, film festival, has had um, a, a branch out in Narva. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, these are great examples of how uh, the situation is improving. But uh, uh, obviously, if we look forward ten years and we see Ecra getting fifteen or twenty percent of the vote, then uh, then I'm wrong. But I hope not. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, when it comes to Estonia as a, a multicultural uh, country, I think it is, it is changing and it's getting better. And I think this is this is a couple of things which are happening here. It's um, moving away from this very very troubled, difficult, painful history, um, and it's also this uh, inevitable um, inevitable process of globalization. And and I think Estonia for all the, the politics and the scaremongering, is actually doing a, a very good job of this. The Youth Song Festival, for example, which took place this summer, uh, gave English language programmes. It was very inclusive for international performers, not just uh, English speakers, but also Russian speakers as well. Um, and I think as, as, as long as as long as we encourage the country to keep doing things like this, um, not put pressure on uh like you know the the, the kind of pressure that we saw in the 90s and the early 2000s Uh, but this kind of gentle encouragement that you know things are going well they're going in the right direction estonian culture is important but you know let's let's make it more international so that more people can engage with estonian culture i think this is the this is the key so i think the balance is actually at the moment is very good i think maybe there's there's more space for uh for foreign uh, residents to engage with Estonian language and culture um, because there is a lot that's not translated and you do miss a lot. But Estonia is doing a very good job of presenting its its culture to a wider audience. Okay, well, we're going to have to leave it there. But um, thank you to both of my guests, uh, David Edwards and Stuart Garlick. Uh, thanks also very much to Maria Meribu-Paro for all her help. And thank you to Argo Valls, for permission to use his song, which is called Halitusid Silmad. Halitusid Silmad. probably correct me on this, which yeah. I believe means moldy eyes. <laughs> it's a sli- slightly, slightly <laughs> odd name for a song, but I'm sure it has some, some kind of meaning. Um, so we hope you've enjoyed this uh, edition of Deep Baltic Estonia podcast from Tallinn. Uh, next month, as I mentioned at the start of the programme, we're going to be in Kaunas, the second city in Lithuania. And the following month, we'll be in Riga. So please do join us. And goodbye. Hey, Daiga. Deep Baltic Podcast. Eesti.